Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On 3. And guys, Sark had a press conference yesterday. Uh, we learned some new health updates. I'm going to let y'all tell everybody about that. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing's first. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian kind of opened the press conference uh, with the health of his team, knowing that that was the, the most pressing topic. Uh, he said that JT Sanders, Jake Majors, who some thought were, might be out longer, uh, as well as Jalen Catalan and Ray, Ryan Watts all went in practice on Monday. Uh, he had gotten just gotten off the practice field when he did the press conference. Also, Cole Hudson uh, practiced as well, but he seems to be a little bit more limited uh, than the others at this point. Uh, we'll see exactly what that means. He said that he's going to uh, – monitor those guys day to day over the next two to three days and decide whether or not they can go uh, on Monday or on Saturday against the Houston Cougars. But largely I thought Jerry, a good health report from. Yeah. I was a great health report. By the way, as always, thank you. I'm seeing wall, Texas, Colbert, Plainfield, Indiana, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. This is awesome. Y'all keep telling little rock, keep telling us where you're checking in from. That's game week again. It was a long week last week. It's game week. Um, but, yeah, you know, I thought I thought that was interesting. That means everybody – now, nobody specifically asked about Chris Ross. So, I do want to point that out. Nobody at the press conference came back and said, hey, how about Chris Ross? So, we don't know on him, but the guys that Sark mentioned, we now know about. Um, uh, we, we assume Jalen Catalan's one of those that went through workouts as well. Uh, because I think that would have been said if he did not. Uh, but nobody specifically asked on Chris Ross. Um, but, yeah, I thought, it, it. you know, the other interesting thing, Bobby, is he said, you know, gave a self-audit, he called it. And he brought up two points uh, where he, he wants this team to improve. And you know there's more than two, but two that stuck out to him and the staff, uh, and really him, was red zone execution, which we've talked about uh, for, what, nine days now. Um, and then the other was causing turnovers through fumbles, which Rod Babers and I hit on yesterday. Deer Park, man, watched some games there, and my dad coached at Dobie. They had some hellacious teams back in the day, um, physical kids. Uh, but I thought what was interesting with that, Bobby, was creating turnovers through fumbles. Because when, when they started fall camp, one of the first things we talked about this year with Sark was um, good morning from Lauderdale. Miss it. Great spot. Um, was he talked about getting, creating more turnovers and they were working on stripping the football that he mentioned they were working on getting the football player on the ground and football on the ground in fall camp. Clearly that is still a point of emphasis for this team. Uh, so that, 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 that was a big takeaway for me. The other thing from his press conference, Bobby, you got Blake, how good U of H is in the return game. He brought that up. Not only the kickoff return game where Matthew Golden has two kickoff returns for touchdowns, but Malik Fleming in the punt return game, he had a touchdown against West Virginia called back. So they had both of their return guys step foot in the end zone. One was called back, but they're dangerous in the return game. And that kind of goes into what Sark said last week about Texas being more aggressive in the return game. I'm expecting a very aggressive special teams game this week from Texas and U of H. Yeah, it should be interesting. He was happy with uh, how they got to the punter against OU. Thought they could have gotten that other one that Keelan almost got, uh, but got called for a, a, a roughing uh, penalty. Uh, Sark did talk a little bit about the special teams. Whoa, self- Baghdad, Iraq. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the self-scout the self uh, or self-audit, as, as uh, Sark uh, termed it, Jerry, also included uh, the talk about the offense. Uh, and he mentioned that they had moved the ball really well, he thought overall, but had bogged down some in the in the uh, red zone. Uh, Sark took some ownership there. Yeah. Uh, he said, look, it's, it's execution, it's play calls, it's the play caller, it's all of it. I mean, he didn't sit here and say, oh, it's only one, right? You know, it's it's all of it combined together. Uh, what I Another thing that was asked as a follow-up to that was, are we going to see more use of Savion Red uh, in the uh, red zone? Uh, and Sark was non-committal. Yeah, he did say, "Look, we're we're looking at things and et cetera, and that's he's been a big piece of what we're doing." But he would not tip his hand one way or the other whether or not that's going to be an additional piece uh, of the offense. Uh, really, overall, 
uh, I thought Sark did a really nice job, Blake and Jerry, of explaining, look, it's on all of us out there right now on offense. We've got to get better in the red zone. It's not just the play calls. It's not just the execution. It's all of it when combined. He even mentioned, hey, we need to look at different personnel packages. Um, and, And that doesn't mean just Savion Red. That's not how I took it, at least, and I don't think that's how. No, I'm talking. I took it as spread formation out in the goal line. Whatever, whatever they have to do to get the ball punched into the end zone, they're taking a look at. Right, Bobby? No doubt. And he mentioned in a separate uh, topic as it relates to that, he mentioned Neto Miyazulu again, as well as uh, Cam Williams. So I I feel like I, I feel like he's got some ideas of what he wants to do. We'll see what happens when push comes to shove uh, the rest of the way. it felt like he was fairly confident going into this week uh, that he liked uh, what he saw. Uh, I will say this as well, Jerry, the, the youth, uh, we, he was asked what he did with the off week. And not only was it self evaluation and recruiting, but he really spent a lot of time talking about the youth having a chance to really try to step up yeah, and uh, reinvigorate themselves as part of the scout team, as part of uh, getting after it a little bit, guys that had only really seen time, uh, in uh, in special teams are now getting out there and playing. He gave a lot of the first stringers or frontline guys uh, the day the week off or at least lesser involvement uh, so they could get uh, their stuff going. Uh, other than that, I, I felt like it was a pretty typical press conference. Uh, one more piece I would say that he, he was asked specifically about the letdown on defense at the end of the at the end of the half. And he felt like there were some miscommunication breakdowns. He felt like, they should have tackled better, though. And of all the things that I heard on defense, that seemed to be it. That tackle tackle better caused fumbles. Not causing fumbles right now. Other teams are causing them on Texas, yeah. but Texas is not causing them on them. Uh, and so he wants to see more of that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a big takeaway for me, too, as uh, <clears throat> they want to get teams to put the ball on the ground. I mean, Jalen Catalan did it against Kansas. Uh, but th- that's a point of emphasis uh, in the second half of the year for the Texas defense. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, somebody I can't remember, you don't have to bring it up, asked if my dad was coaching at Adobe because this guy played at Port Natchez 86, 87. Yes. So you played against Trevor Cobb and Craig Stevens and those guys. They were really tired. Adobe had some talent. 86, 86 and 87? Yeah. I was at Adobe at that time. That's right. Bobby was a student at that time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Matt Wingo was our best player. Yes. And Robert, a Robert Lance ended up playing some fullback at Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, Matt Wingo played four years, was a starter at Texas Tech for yep. four years uh, prior to Zach Thomas taking over for him for four years. Yep. Middle linebacker at Texas Tech. All right, guys, we got some questions about the press conference. But before we get to those, Bobby, I was going to let you tell everybody about Bird Dogs today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're sponsored and really happy to be sponsored by Bird Dogs. Uh, Bird Dogs, the apparel uh, clothing apparel company, is a real winner in my book. I, I really like their fa- soft fabric shorts and khaki pants. Uh, you get them, and uh, I tell you what, they are really, really good stuff, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they even have cool fabric polos. Uh, they, they have it all. Go to birddogs.com forward slash on Texas or enter the promo code on Texas for a free hydro flask like gift like this one uh, with your first purchase. It's good for coffee in the morning. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We appreciate them and their sponsorship of coffee and football. Hey, hey, hey if they ever start making some Texas Rangers bird dog shorts, you'll never see them like for anything else. <laughs> two and oh, baby. Two and oh. Oh, man. Hey, I, I will say this. It's been a good uh, – Framber Valdez just looked discombobulated, couldn't get it under control. Uh, part of his own problem uh, yesterday as well, couldn't get out of his own way. Uh, but uh, Rangers have a good ball club. Astros have a good ball club. Jordan Alvarez, you know, knocks the you-know-what out of the ball. He is uh, David Ortiz-like. Somebody made that uh, in the playoffs. Somebody made that the comparison last night. To who? David Ortiz with uh, – out, you know, because of the I, playoff. The, I the can play- see it, except I think he's better. Yeah. I mean, Ortiz is a good hitter. Don't get me wrong. But Alvarez – Alvarez is, is looking at special – like. Rarefied air. I'll yes. But I, hey, by the way, I, 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 need the, the, I think the Rangers, I want to say this, guys. The Rangers, one through nine, are beating the Astros. 
hundred percent. It's not necessarily only now Simeon, those guys are playing well, but it's, it's the, the back end of the order that's compared, uh, that's uh, doing well too. Hey, by, by the way, uh, 33 blown saves by the Rangers. They're a lot better team from a every other way than their record indicates. That's, Second most blown saves, and I think MLB history to Washington in 2021. I had to look that one up last night. I don't watch 162 games, but I will say this, man, Bruce Boshi, great manager, hell of a catcher. Man, it's painful watching him walk out to the mound to make a pitch and change. Man, his knees are tore up. <laughs> that is a painful freaking walk to the mound for him. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's get started here. Like I said, we have some questions about the press conference. I want to go ahead and knock those out of the way. And this first one from Football Texas says, how about Sark's statement that some practice players did extremely well in practice, but maybe not necessarily the starters? Yeah, I I know exactly what he's talking about there. Um, Look, he he said that, that some young guys that are practicing are doing really well, but he doesn't want them to see them. He wants consistency out of them. That is the one thing that they're missing right now is consistency. And so, in my opinion, if he gets more consistency out of those young players, they're going to play more. Uh, he, he went in length about Anthony Hill and how he wants to see him. He just thinks he's disruptive. Uh, and a guy that he wants to see, mentioned Derek Williams as well, Manny Muhammad. I think we'll see more of a DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook in the coming weeks. Uh, but uh, long and short of it, right now Texas needs uh, Texas needs some of those young guys to not just be good practice players. They need them to step up. Uh, Sark mentioned how he wants to get them more time uh, as the season goes on. In particular, uh, Blake and Jerry, because it will allow, he thinks, in his opinion, for them to be fresher at the end of games and at the end of the season. I think Jason Watson has a good question. <clears throat> see here he says how do y'all feel about the horns not imposing their will on teams to this point even though they have a bigger and more talented roster is there too much finesse to their game i have a different take on this um well uh, i i would say this <clears throat> they're not texas is a talented team but we're not talking about alabama at their height or a couple of those Clemson teams that won national championships, or even Georgia defensively on their great teams here recently. Texas can't just walk out, or Texas with Vince Young. Texas just can't walk out onto the field and overwhelm teams. They're not that talented. Um, so that that's the first thing I want to put out. Texas is the most talented they've been in a long time, but they don't have that level team where they can just walk out and teams know their beat before the game begins. So that that's a that's a starting point to this. Um, and, and again, like I, while Texas is a very good team, I don't think they're that level that maybe some some people think they are, where they're just going to walk out and physically whip you and impose their will on you. That's not where this talent level of this team is, really. Um, they're not they're not scaring teams before the game starts necessarily. I mean, all the coaches say they're good everywhere. They're a really good team. That, that that's that's one thing. It's a totally different thing to where you walk out onto the field and feel like I have to play an A plus game, else I'm going to get blown out. Texas is not that level team. Uh, Texas has Texas is a team that has to execute at a high level to beat quality opponents. I mean, I just think that's where this team's at, um, and I think that you know, in year three under Sark. Okay, we have. A- I would say this. Go ahead, Bobby. Baylor and Kansas were dominations. Yeah, and so Todd Lacey wrote something in that that comment section, Jerry and, and Blake, that I agree with. They're still learning. I mean, right? You don't go from eight and five to domination. No, yeah. you may go from ten and two to domination, right? right? And so, remember where Texas is in this process. You know, um, so I, I would. I would say that, uh, and so don't don't try to put the cart before the horse. Is all all I would get at. Uh, y'all talked about injury updates at the beginning of the show. This next question from Bobby Brown says, "Do you guys think Baxter is one hundred percent healthy now?" Oh, here, here's the thing with that. I, I always say this about that. You know, it's like Texas before the OU game with JT Sanders said, "Oh, he's good to go. He's good to go." But I was at the Cotton Bowl the first time when he came out and that adrenaline's pumping. And he cuts hard and pushes through the ground. Then he had a limp. So I, I think there's 
there's one thing to be healthy in practice. There's another thing to be healthy then when you're adrenaline. You have that adrenaline roll, rushing and you're in a game. Uh, Cedric Baxter was said to be healthy. Then that first time he got tackled or second time he got tackled, and they pulled that leg, he got up limping a little bit. Uh, so is he fully healthy? I don't, for me, I don't care what said. We won't know until Saturday after he's taken to the ground and maybe his legs twisted and he gets up and he's got that energy in his step and he and he's ready to roll if there's no visible limp. I would add this too. Um, it, I thought it was encouraging that Sark didn't even mention him right. as a person that was injured. So keep that, that if there is a, a, uh, uh, a bright spot in that regard, it would be that. Okay, guys, we got a super chat here from Drew M. Thank you, Drew. And he says that he's going to kick it off with the super chats. If you were Sark, would you rather start Robertson or Hudson at center if Majors is out? And who is the future at the position? The future at the position, that's going to be in competition. But I'll say this. I, if there's any doubt about Cole Hudson, I'm starting Robertson coming off of last week. If he's 100% healthy and he now played and he's preparing every day, I would go with Connor Robertson in that game. Uh, the last thing you want to do is be switching centers in a game. You may have a rotation on the offensive line, but I can tell you this, who they go with at center is who they're going to stick with unless there's injury in that game. You don't want to be switching centers up in games. Well, and, and to, to that point, Sark specifically said that Cole Hudson was behind the other guys when yes. it came to his health. So that means Jake Majors is more likely to start at center than Cole Hudson at this point. Or or is he second team and they trot him out there if Connor Robertson's injured? We'll find out. Yeah, fair. Okay, this next question is a pretty good one, I think. Daniel Kinnaman says, which guys would you like to see get more time the second half of the season? Well, I'll say Jontae Cook, so UT boy comes back on the chat <laughs> because he's he he's must be on a boat somewhere fishing this morning. Uh, but what I think uh, I think Jontae Cook will play a little bit more. I I, I think you're going to see Texas attack vertically against teams uh, a, a little bit more here with multiple wide receivers in the second half of the season. I think the schedule sets up that way. Um, I think there's some teams that are going to that are not as good defensively what as what Texas has seen, and that starts Saturday. Um, so I, I would expect that, uh, Bobby, I, you know, outside of that, I mean, we've talked about Derek Williams. I think that some of those younger guys are, are pretty much getting established right now for me. I, for me, I wrote, of course, Dante I wrote five guys down and they're all on defense. Yeah. I mean, all on defense. Uh, I wrote, uh, Anthony Hill, uh, because of his disruptability, uh, Manny Muhammad, I, I think needs to get more time. Uh, I think he will be a better tackler in space than what they have right now. Uh, Derek Williams, uh, I just believe that he's the future at safety. And the more more reps he gets against these, I mean, look, the spread offense, Dana Holger, Holgerson and all these guys down the road, they're going to run some stuff that everybody hasn't seen. Uh, then I wrote a couple other guys that I think need to get after the passer a little bit. And that's Jare Bledsoe, Jerry, on the defense. Yeah, I agree with that. And Jamon Tapp. I mean, yeah. both of those guys can get after the passer a little bit better than others. And Texas needs that right now. I mean, they need it in a bad way. I think that's a good point on Jare Bledsoe. In fact, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get more opportunities uh, in the second half of the season because they definitely need the interior pass rush right now. Especially they with the any pass. Look, the they need they're any pass play. rush right now, Jerry. Yeah. They need any. I'm, I'm a, you know – what do they have? 15 sacks on the year, I think, right now. It's or 14. I can't remember. It, it, it's just not, it's good, but it's too hot or cold, depending on the offensive line of the other team. And that's the problem, right? You 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 have to have good enough that yep. no matter who the offensive line is, you're going to get to the quarterback. You can't go against the AM offensive line every week. Right. That is like leaking like a sieve. So you have to come, you have to get after the quarterback uh, on a routine basis. Otherwise, it's you're you're gonna put yourself in the hands of a quarterback. Because if, if the quarterback sits, can sit back there and throw, there's good enough guys. If they get hot, Donovan Smith, an exa example, he's not a 70% passer, but when he gets hot, he's an 80% passer. Yeah. And you don't want to put your 
livelihood in the hands of someone else. You no. want to get after the passer on a more consistent basis. Now, and, and that's kind of my talking to Rod. That were my two points for the rest of the season. It's pass rush and safety play. I mean, that that's the keys to the rest of the season defensively for Texas. They well, have I, I would say I would also say that that based on what I saw against OU, it may be it may be cleaning up some linebacker play too. All right, guys, you're watching Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. Plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do. And we're going to move on to the next question here from Tyler Hastings. He said, who's more likely to have these milestones, yours with 3,000 passing yards this year or Brooks with 1,300 rushing yards? Your thoughts? I Look, I think, I think that they – I think those are both going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Quinn's already at 1,700. Um I would bet that it's more likely that the quarterback gets injured, right? And so I'll go with Brooks for 1300. I mean, I both of those are very very likely to happen at this point. Uh Brooks is over 700, Ewers is at 3000. They've got six games left, not including any kind of bowl or or Big 12 championship game. Those are I don't want to say those are layups, but those feel like layups if both of them remain healthy. I I'll say this if Quinn doesn't throw for 3,000 yards, then he got injured. He's got 1,704 through six games against the toughest half of the schedule. I mean, he could get 400 Saturday against that bad team um, uh, defensively. Brooks has 726. The key there is if Baxter's healthy, does Texas even out those carries a little more not to ensure Brooks stays healthy? Because I do think that was a big part of their plan is to have those guys rotate more so both of those backs were always fresh and healthy. So if Cedric Baxter's coming back healthy, it, you know, if he takes three carries a game from Brooks to ensure Brooks is always at 100%, then that that 1,300 comes into play a little bit, even to get some bad run defenses they're playing the rest of the way. But if Quinn doesn't throw for 3,000, something went wrong on offense because he or he got hurt. All right. Well, Jerry, if you're ready. I'm ready. We'll let you tell everybody about Manscaped. I'm ready, guys. Uh, gentlemen across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode is, episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your balls to space is now launching them into the ultrasphere, introducing the Lawn More 5.0 Ultra, featuring a new cutting-edge design and next-generation Dual skin-safe blade heads for different shaves. It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs to the next level. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping with the code ONTEXAS, all caps. High tech for low spaces, Manscaped. Of course I use this product, guys, and have been for years. Of course, my son uses this product and has been for years. Uh, guys, that's it. The Manscaped, uh, that, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, 20% uh, off free shipping with code ONTEXAS, all caps. High tech for low places, manscaped.com. I like Colton's comment. He says, please don't demonstrate. What would y'all rather watch? That oh. or Texas red zone offense on repeat? <laughs> oh. Pick. You have to choose one. Oh. Two-minute defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to move on for sure. Um Isaiah Stewart says, do y'all have a Jalen Gilbo update? I remembered he got injured, but it seems like he disappeared. I don't really have anything new on that, Bobby. I mean, I, I haven't heard. Uh, he played. I mean, he's, he's, he's back playing, Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, he's playing, but as far as injury, you know, he's fine from his injury. He was wearing a knee brace early on in fall camp. He's not anymore to my uh, – uh, uh to my knowledge um but yeah i mean he's back playing he's, he's with the team um and, and we'll see if he gets any more time here as the season moves along yeah I, he and austin jordan are kind of fighting for that backup star position they're just not wanting to take jaday baron off the field much and when they're playing these option teams they're taking the star position off the field altogether so 
keep that in mind too. I, I wonder, Bobby, and we're we're in game six, so it's a discussion for after the season. But I wonder if everybody stays at star in the spring or if some guys get looks at safety. I think you're gonna see some movement guys move around in the spring a little bit. Maybe well, they, need to. They, they need to because you can't keep I look, I like I like Michael Taff. I think he's a good good uh, teammate, uh, but you can't keep trotting him out there and creating physical mismatches in the secondary. Um, and so they need to get uh, guys like Jelani McDonald, potentially Warren Roberson, uh, Austin Jordan, uh, guys like that back there that that, that maybe have a, a little bit better chance to, to compete. Uh, Rodolfo, no, Marjan Hooks has not been on our show yet. Not a bad idea. We'll see what happens. And then kind of along those same lines, we have another question. Uh, Chan Bailey 3 says, any word on Colton Vosick? Last I heard he was dealing with injuries. Could use some extra help on the edge with the pass rush, or is Texas just going to redshirt him? He hasn't been dressed out for two or three games. So, I I, I mean, he's had nagging injuries. Um, I suspect we'll see him a lot more of him in the spring and next season as of right now, Bobby. He wasn't ready to go regardless, Jerry. I mean, people, I, I want to say this, and I'm not trying to be rude to, to folks, but – he he wasn't going to see much playing time regardless. Uh, he's he was well behind the other guys uh, right now. Uh, so uh, Sorrell, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, uh, even Jamon Tap has come on. Uh, Chris Ross had pushed ahead of him. Uh, not that he pushed ahead of him; they're just older. And and so I'm not saying this as a knock on Colton Vosick. Uh, what I'm saying is he was just a true freshman. Sometimes it takes some time for those guys to get rolling. Then our next question is uh, from Jeff, Jeff Whitman, and he says, is Jay Witt's season below expectations? He's very reliable and solid, but no touchdown. Seems to be a little underutilized, in my opinion, unfortunately. I I wouldn't say underutilized because when Texas is healthy on offense, Worthy's your number one. He's the one that commands a double team, A.D. Mitchell, Obviously, he's established receiver and JT Sanders at tight end. So, I mean, there's only, uh, it's kind of like basketball. There's only one ball, man. I mean, everybody can't, everybody can't take, be a volume shooter. Uh, but I think Jay Witt, you know, the thing about that was JT Sanders not able to be a factor in the passing game against Oklahoma, the way Oklahoma was playing Texas. Then you make the most of your opportunities, 100 yard receiver, 100 yard receiver that game. So, I, you know, He'll, he'll cross the end zone two or three or four times the second half of the year. I don't think there's any doubt. He'll come away with a solid season. But the reality, he is he's the number four option in the passing game when Texas is healthy, as he should be. I don't I don't think he's a touchdown scorer, Jerry. No. Um, because he doesn't have – like he doesn't – he can't make people shake in their boots. When right. He moves. I mean, literally, Xavier Worthy does that. He doesn't have the – uh, catch radius of an A.D. Mitchell or a J.T. Sanders. He doesn't have the mismatch that right. J.T. Sanders would get on a no line doubt. near the end zone. So uh, take all that into consideration. I agree. He's the fourth option, and that doesn't include the running back, right? And so I, I would say that. Uh, we have a super chat from T Live. Thank you, T-Live. And he says, Bobby, Jerry, it seems like other teams with 50-50 balls to allow playmakers to make plays in the red zone. Who could Texas use? Kane, Mayor, Mitchell? I think I mean, Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell's their, their only guy unless it's J.T. Sanders uh, on this roster. Those are their two guys. If you got them in a favorable matchup and wanted to just throw quick fade to them uh, and let them go make a 50-50 play on the ball, those are your two guys on this roster. I completely agree with Jerry. Um, Mayor might be Kane is not, he doesn't get the separation, the body separation. Um, uh, but Mitchell is that that's what he's good at is boxing people out while also keeping his, his arms free. Uh, somebody's asking, where is Kane? Just better players are on the field. I think it's just simple as that. He got recruited over happens. Okay. Terrell Hennigan asking about the running backs here. He says, Bijan basically tripled his production the second half of his freshman year. Can you see that being the case for CJ or is Brooks too established at this point? No, nah, the only way his production would go up that much is if there was an injury to Brooks. I, I think I think at the beginning of the year, we've mentioned this, I think that Texas really had a plan there to make sure both those guys were fresh all the time, 50-50 split and carries. I think through Baxter's injury, Brooks has really shined. 
uh, as I think we all expected him to because he's got that toughness, that winner's DNA in him. He's always going to make the most of an opportunity, always, and he always has. Um, so I, unless Brooks gets injured, I don't see that one, Bobby. I do think Baxter's going to be a more productive player the healthier he gets, though, because Texas loves where he's going as a player. I I think that we could see triple his production. He hasn't produced that much. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think it's going to be in place of Jonathan Brooks. Like, I think they're going to continue to ride Jonathan Brooks. If there is a identity on this offense right now, Jerry and, and Blake, it's, it's Jonathan Brooks hitting long runs. What does he have, seven runs over 20 yards this year? Yeah. I mean, at least – I think the last like so I mean if there's an identity on this offense it's Jonathan Brooks popping popping a long run at some point during a game um so I I just don't see that changing I could see easily Cedric Baxter getting the lion's share of carries in a game or two and easily uh you know tripling his his current production level hey Blake a couple I'm going to hit on um yeah. uh anything new on Wingo you have to bring it up Chris Jackson was in his game Friday night. Texas is going to recruit through the whistle. You know that. Feeling is Missouri may have a little bit of an edge. They're playing really good football, wide receivers, quarterback. They're having a huge year. We'll see what happens. Texas uh, uh, is in the fight, and they're going to try to get him back on campus. We'll see. Uh, fresh 6473. Are there any Jalen Waddle type slots in 25? Uh, no Jalen Waddle types. I mean, that's very rarefied air. Um, you know, I, I think. DeCorian Moore is more of an outside guy and more of that um, Xavier Worthy mold. He's not the big receiver. He's more in that Xavier Worthy mold. I think he's your top guy in 25. But any slot guys on that elite, elite level, not that I've seen in Texas. Hey, hey Jerry, is Micah Hudson Jalen Waddle? No. Not that Mike no, Micah Hudson – um, I think Micah Hudson's a, a future NFL draft pick, a very good player – um, I'm not sure he he's not even going to test close to what Waddle did and have that type of acceleration, suddenness, lateral agility. I mean, I thought Waddle was pretty special. I actually compared Waddle to a faster version of Peter Wart coming out of high school. Got it. Hey, Jerry, we got some more recruiting questions we'll just go ahead and get to while we're on the subject. Uh, Antoine says, can you give us an update on Tiger Ridden, Michael Riles, and Malcolm Simpson? Uh, Texas recruiting Ryden. Um, I think he's behind some other guys. Uh, Harlem Barry out of New Orleans uh, and Jordan Davison, who had an injury last week against St. John Bosco. Those right now are your two top backs. I think Ryden is in that next group for Texas. We'll see where it's at after the full season evaluations. Uh, Michael Riles, not sure Texas is doing a lot there. Um, he is he, like, he's the edge kid out of Port Arthur Memorial. I went down to see him in August. Good player, um, good length, good. Uh, he's got some good twitch. I'm not sure where Texas is at, where he's at on, exactly on Texas board. A lot of these evaluations are ongoing. There hasn't been a huge push for him to this point. Malcolm Simpson, obviously a D lineman, kind of a hybrid in tackle kid, not an edge, an in tackle kid. Uh, for Galveston Ball, uh, has some talent there. Um, I think academics are going to be uh, in, in question with them. Now, he's not the, the linebacker ball is the one that's – That's Jonah Williams. He's the one that's a really, you know, really, really high-end prospect in football and baseball. Uh, that, But uh, Jonah Williams is an A&M Texas OU deal right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see here we have a couple more recruiting questions that I'm going to ask you real quick, Jerry. 
Uh, Cody Pack here says, what's the word on this future Colin Simmons LSU visit? I don't have anything on that. I mean, look, I, I, I here's where I've come. Here's why I come out on all this is these guys are going to show up on some other campuses. Um, I think uh, it will not shock me if Colin Simmons shows up on the LSU campus. That would be the only campus I could see him showing up on. Uh, but it, even if he does, look, te- he's he's very upfront with Texas about his recruitment. Texas knows everything going on with Colin Simmons. So we'll see what he actually does. And then last one for you, Champ Bailey 3 says, how are we feeling about Fasusi, Michael Fasusi? Texas OU battle, offensive lineman out of Louisville, the 2025 offensive tackle. Uh, good, good. I think very good, not great junior video. I think he's a very good prospect. Um, uh, but that's Texas OU are the top two right now. He likes both of those schools. Um, he was at the uh, Cotton Bowl, obviously, uh, for the Red River Showdown. And it, that's been the top two for a while since the spring for him, since he made that visit to Texas. Oklahoma was probably out in front of AM. Then when he visited Texas, it became Texas and OU. Uh, Texas was trending slightly. Uh, for him uh, over late in the summer. I think Texas OU are battling right now. Very, very similar to the Daniel Cruz recruitment uh, from a year ago. And then I lied to you, Jerry, one more for you. Uh, Corey Baker is asking about the player from Florida that's committed to Florida that Texas recently offered. Yeah, that's Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver from Carrollwood Days. I spoke with him Sunday. Uh, look, he's he grew up in San Antonio from ages four through sixth grade. He was in San Antonio, then moved to Tampa. He is the son of Melvin Williams, who was an all-Big 12 player for Kansas State at defensive end and NFL draft pick. Isaiah Williams, he told me his two schools at the start of this recruitment, at the start of his recruitment, were Florida and Texas. I do think he'll take an official visit to Texas. Uh, they're in the, they haven't really gotten to dates yet. I think he's, he's talked with Chris Jackson this week or next week. I expect him to start talking with Sark and Chris Jackson at the same time and seeing where this goes as far as a visit. Um, but the, he's definitely not locked in the Florida, but Texas is the only team that could have a chance to uh, beat out Florida there. Texas and Florida going at it on a number of guys, uh, Blake and Bobby. I mean, look, Florida's still after DeAndre Robinson and Jarrett Gibson, Texas commitments. Texas is after Xavier Philsame, uh and now Isaiah Williams. Wardell Mack. And Wardell Mack. There's five guys right now. Hey, that doesn't mean we're done. There's five guys right now that are committed to Texas or Florida that both programs are still going after. And obviously with Wardell Mack, uh, Terry Joseph was at his game Friday night. Again, the key is, will we see him on campus uh, before uh, signing day? I think there's a chance. All right, guys, this is more of an in general recruiting question I'd like to get both of your inputs on, and it's from Terrell Hennigan. He says, can we own Texas recruiting again, or is expanding the national footprint more of the focus now? I don't think anybody's ever going to own the state of Texas again. And here's why I say that. Um, One, more kids have moved into Texas. It's a different state than it was 25 years ago. There, the, there's kids that grow up in this state. They didn't grow up with AM or Texas jerseys on. Uh, same thing in Florida with, with kids, right? I mean, it, it, it recruit, same thing in Georgia. I mean, Kirby doesn't get every top guy out of the state of Georgia. Um, so I think that's the problem. Is I'm, I don't know if you can own Texas again, uh, especially with the SEC. I mean, you have two guys committed to Georgia. As long as Nick Saban's coaching, LSU, I mean – now Oklahoma, Texas in the SEC. I mean, you have Texas A&M there who are very active in the NIL front. I mean, so I don't. I think it's going to be tough to own Texas in recruiting ever again for a team. It would take literally. It would literally take A&M being down, OU struggling, and LSU being a mess. I think for Texas to ever own the state again in recruiting, and that's nothing negative on Texas. I think. I think also the other thing is I, I think there's less allegiance to states than ever before in recruiting at the big state level. Your big states, Bobby, you have a thought? Uh, I think it's definitely possible. I think I think people would have said that 20 years ago, and then Vince Young came along and Mac Brown came along. Um, some of the same stuff you're talking about, Jerry. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do think that my actual opinion is, is that there should be more of a national focus. I like what Steve Sarkeesian's done. Uh, We can say what we want, but uh, 
Texas, the state of Texas does not produce enough defensive linemen, in my opinion, on a high end. They don't produce uh, the offensive line right now in the state of Texas. Uh, the problem there is they all run the spread. And so you don't see these hulking defense, offensive linemen like you once did that uh, Steve Sarkeesian is going to want at all places. Uh, I think that's another another piece of it. Uh, I just think that you need to recruit nationally to get the best players. I mean, if, if you can get K.J. Lacey and Arch Manning, they're not Texans, native Texans, but they are great quarterback prospects. You've got to go national. I, I'm not, I'm not in that that reign where do I think that 60% of the class should come from Texas? Yes, but I'm not in that fa- phase where I think 75 to 80% should come from. Agree, 100 percent Well, let's follow that question up with this one from Rob Enfield. He says, referring to the previous question, how does recruiting nationally impact recruiting within Texas? Does it even matter? It it doesn't matter like it used to. Um, So years ago when I'd go around in Texas, high school coaches would literally get a little pissed off. Nowadays, that's changed. Uh, That's changed. It's not there anymore. That attitude within the Texas high school coaching community is not the same as it once was. And I, I think, you know, look, I, I think there's a, probably a number of reasons for that. Um, but it, the, the, uh, one of the big ones for me is, guys, is high school coaches don't have as much control anymore. With seven on seven, with the camps, with kids traveling around, you know, it, it's almost like you go back to not state of Texas, look back at the state of Florida. Years and years ago when Miami was dominant, those kids never left uh, uh, Dade or Broward County. They didn't go see what was out there in the world of college football. There was a control there. And in the state of Texas, there I mean, I, I, my dad was a high school coach. I'm not saying anything negative. It's just part of – it's not their fault. It's just part of where this is all gone. There's less high school coaches uh, kind of in control in, in recruiting anymore, Bobby. I mean, it's just times have changed. I, I completely agree. And I – Here's the the other piece. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing of itself, uh, because you had some college coaches, some high school coaches that literally tried to push kids to certain schools. Correct. Um, and some of that still goes on. Yeah. Um, but I think what's now the high school coaches have changed their tune a little bit. I just want my guy to get a Division One scholarship. It doesn't matter where. My job is to get them as far along in their life as I can possibly get. And I actually think that that's a positive in the coaching community because it's not about whether they go to Texas or Texas A&M or OU or LSU or wherever. It's about that young man and what, what he make, what he can make of himself and where he can go. And and I'll add to that. The Texas high school coaching community is a very smart group of coaches. They also, they know that getting their kids there, is what matters because the portal. Their kid goes out, he's better than, hey, we think this guy's better than what he's being recruited at. We've tried to tell college coaches, this conversation has come up 15 times in the last two years. We think this guy's better uh, than the college coaches think, but we understand the portal day and age. We're trying to get him somewhere to where he can go show out, and then those programs are going to want him, he's going to portal up. So these guys have a different approach to recruiting now as well. The portal's changed it, even at the high school level, for these guys who are trying to help their kids. No doubt. All right, guys, we got a super chat from Football Junkie. He says, with all the tampering going on in college football, do you guys think we could lose anybody from the 2023 class like Muhammad Hill or Williams? Of course, but I don't know about Muhammad Hill and Williams. I mean, I don't, and I don't know if it'll be necessarily tampering. I mean, Texas lost people from the 2022 class, right? I mean, these these things are going to happen. Um, I don't know that it'll be a guy that they really want to keep. That would be the one thing, the one caveat I would say. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. I, I here's the and here's the other part of it. If a kid's at a place, and people are always saying, "Well, why won't guys just leave a And M?" Well, here, here's the reality of this: If you're starting somewhere and you're playing a lot and you're on the NFL radar already, and sometimes there's not a benefit in walking out the door. I mean, 
And like Evan Stewart, and I'm not saying Evan Stewart's definitely going to play at Texas A&M last year, but he's like the most popular name at A&M. Why would he stay there? Surely he'll jump in the portal. He's a year away from being drafted. And he's getting opportunities. Is he getting his great opportunities? He may be somewhere else. No, but he dropped the ball at Tennessee on third down when Max Johnson was getting torched the other day. That drops on him. He's dropping that ball at Texas or Texas A&M. He had an opportunity to make a play on a big third down there. He didn't make the play. He's getting opportunities at A&M. And I don't think some of these guys, they're playing and they're on the NFL draft radar and they're a year away. I mean, sometimes it doesn't necessarily make sense for guys to walk out the door. Somebody asked about Nate Kibble. Um, Nate Kibble's have the Atascacita staff is very happy with Nate Kibble this year. Uh, he's playing at a high level. I saw him early against Dickinson. Uh, Tascacita will be playing in the playoffs. Uh, so we'll probably see him in the playoffs. But Nate Kibble's having a really good year playing right tackle for Tascacita. He's going to play guard for Texas. Kyle Flood was by Tascacita Friday, or was I can't remember Thursday when he was in Houston, I believe it was. He went by Thursdays just to check on Kibble. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure Texas got the same reports that I got a couple of weeks ago. Kibble's playing at a high level. Uh, and the staff's very happy with them. Okay, guys, we're still time to get your questions in, so please do so. And, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about game time. Yeah, I want to – with the Longhorns going to U of H, the game's sold out, uh, Texas uh, Rangers and the Astros playing. I want to introduce you guys to game time, the app. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country, and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive and it's absolutely perfect for a last minute decision. So if you're in the parking lot trying to get a, a last minute seat, game time delivers it straight to your phone. No mess, anything like that. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets, not only for sports, but also music, comedy and theater events near you. I've personally used game time for sporting events and concerts. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, I, I used it for a World Series game uh, one time with the Phillies and the Astros for both myself and my family. So if you need last minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ONTEXAS for $20 off. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, well, let's move on here because we got a ton of more questions and uh, another super chat. This one from Prince512. Thank you. And he says, follow up to my Elijah Robinson question from yesterday. If we don't have a Robinson problem, does Texas have an NIL problem? Honestly, the Solomon Williams recruitment is bothering me. I Look, I think that there's a potential here that, that it's not just an NIL problem. It's, you know, it's what's the open market? You know, and how do people value different things and all of this other stuff? I mean, my opinion of it is, is that Texas already has uh, Zeta Umiozulu and uh, Colin Simmons. And so you you want another edge. Okay, Solomon Williams, he may be more valuable to A&M at this point than he is to Texas, right? So consider that. It, it's not just one or the other. It, it's got to be within the context of the entire recruiting class. And then you also have what's going to happen in the portal. So I, all of that is, is interesting to me. I'm not, I don't know enough about Solomon Williams' potential or, or not potential, but his situation uh, to comment further, other than to say, you're not going to get them all. Uh, you want to get the ones that you want in your fair share. And Texas is more than doing that right now. Anything to add, Jerry? I uh, know. I think Bobby said that. Um, uh, look, I mean, decisions have to be made. Okay, guys. Well, here's a uh, question from Colton. He says, what's the loudest you've ever heard DKR? For me, it was the block field goal against USC in 2018 or Geno Smith sack in 2012. I'm going to say Missouri 2008. That's my personal answer. That's pretty good. Um. Mine is going to be a weird one. It goes back to 1992. Uh, Texas was hosting University of Houston. This is not the game where they beat the run and shoot for the first time with Stanley Ridge. That 
that whole game was loud. Um, but the loudest single individual moment, moment what for me was Norman Watkins getting a uh, intercepting a pass and taking it back for a touchdown against the University of Houston. Uh, that was the single loudest moment. The interestingly, the quietest moment I've ever heard in DKR was Bryant Westbrook laying a hit on Randy Kinder against <laughs> Notre Dame. I mean, the five minutes after that hit, I mean, I think everybody just kind of was just, oh my goodness, what just happened on a football field? He he took Randy Kinder into a different place. I've got two others for loudest. Ricky Before. Williams run against AM. Oh, it was, it was that was awesome. In 98 is probably a top three. And I'll throw one out there. Tyrone Swoops run against Notre Dame to win the game in double OT. Well, that place was loud. Yep. Good stuff. All right, well, let's move on here to some more team-related questions. This one from Bobby Brown. He says, why doesn't Texas blitz more and attack no matter who they play, especially the rest of the way in the Big 12? We have more talent. What if you can't tackle that well on the back end? A five-yard out becomes a 50-yard touchdown. That's why. I mean, it, it, you got to be able to rely on your safeties to tackle in space if you're gonna if you're gonna blitz a bunch. And speaking of safeties, we're gonna fill this question from Tony. Uh, he says, "What happened to B.J. Allen? Sounded like so much potential and positive comments, and then it seems like he dropped off the earth. He's just not in the the top four rotation or top five rotation right now. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here, but uh, they." He, he must not be as reliable as, as Michael Taft or, and or Keaton Crawford. And he certainly hasn't got the playing time to prove it at this point either. Right. That's my key. All right. the, the Green Lantern has a question for you, Bobby. He says, my gut tells me that X-Man's ratio of total return yards is much too close to the total yards lost to not catching the punt and yards lost when he catches inside the 10. What does your gut say? Uh, I think you're about right. Yeah, 100%. You know, if not a negative ratio. Um, part of the problem is, and I will, I, I'll give Xavier this. I mean, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but some of these punts that, that he's getting are like landing 20 yards ahead of him. I mean, some of them literally he shouldn't be messing with. Right. Um, but he's not Jackson Ship or Jordan Shipley back there. He's not. Uh, Nathan Vasher back there. Aaron Ross. He doesn't, he doesn't have that kind of hands. I mean, he's he's got good hands, but he, he's not just glue, right? And so he doesn't need to take too many risks in that regard to save yardage because ultimately he may give up the ball one more time out of five, right? So uh, as far as taking the ball inside the 10, they actually have moved it back now. It used to be don't go inside the 10, let it bounce and see where it goes. Now they tell guys don't go inside the five. So, you know, when I was growing up, the coaching number was don't go in, don't field a punt inside the 10. Now it's don't field a punt inside the five. So take that, especially if it's a tall punt and there's guys sitting underneath you. Okay, guys. Oh, yeah. By the way, the five, if you have the ball at the five, you can at least do a regular punt formation. And, and by the way, one of the big changes with that, is 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 rugby punt and Australian rules football punters. Those guys are tremendous. In almost like a wedge, the ball land golf, the ball lands and either back spins or stops exactly where it's at. When you kick that ball and you turn that thing over like the old days, there was a little less predictability to it. There's a lot more predictability to rugby punting. Well, let's say on the special teams for a second. Chris Young says, do you guys think our special teams start taking more risk against the teams left on our schedule? Yes, because Sark said so. And Sark's been very transparent this year. Um, I mean, Sark's – look, he says, we're pass first to set up the run team. Texas has been a pass first to set up the run team. And his Monday press conference after OU was like, I think we can get more out of the special teams in the return game. We need to be more aggressive. So I'm 100% looking for Texas to be more aggressive in the return game Saturday against Houston. Uh, everything he said in press conferences, he's been pretty transparent about except injuries, which no coach should be. But as far as his team, 
he's been pretty transparent about what what he thinks this team is and where areas he thinks they need to get better. One thing you can take if you're if you're the U of H coaching staff and you watch Stark's press conference yesterday, he said we have to get better at stripping the football and causing fumbles. Well, what do you think U of H is telling Matthew Golden and, and Man Jack and Samuel Brown and Parker Jenkins this week? Guys, they're going after the football this week. It's right here. He said they got to get better at it. Sark's transparent. I like that about him. Okay, this next question here from Daniel Kinnaman. He says, if going with Agbo, uh, Agbo on short yardage slash goal line, would you line him up on the left or right side for a zone read run with Brooks? Probably line him up on the left side. And the reason I say that is because that gives you the fake for uh, Quinn Ewers gives him his right arm free on the, on the read in case he wants to, they want to run a, a RPO pass off of it. And also I, I do think watching Brooks, I think his best cutback vision is left. I think right. these things left better. Guys have strength. They don't all see it the same. Vince Young loved to run right. And it's just a reality. And it worked. Yes. <laughs> no doubt about it. Nobody can argue that. Uh, we're going to go back over to the defense for a second. Todd Lacey says, do you guys agree with Texas' current philosophy on defense, which is to bend but don't break? Personally, I wish they would blitz some. You know, they've taken that away a little bit, guys. I mean, I I looked at the numbers earlier this week or late last week, I guess. Um, they They've improved dramatically on third down from a year ago, dramatically on fourth down from a year ago. Um, they don't have the, the bend but don't break altogether. They revert to it sometimes, I think, uh, unnecessarily. Uh, but when they just don't want to get beat over the top, if, if Texas is winning by 20 points like they were at Baylor or 30 points, whatever it was at the time, they're going to let you nickel and dime them. Uh, you know, when Rice was down by 35 or whatever it was, you can nickel, nickel and dime Texas. Yeah, they're going to let you. They just don't want, they're being told, don't get beat over the top. Now, in games, they haven't been that way this year, except at the end of halves. And that's the issue. Both times against o OU in the end of the first half, end of the second half, OU picked them apart playing bend but don't break. And I think Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that in that self-audit we talked about at the very outset of this, that, that Sark said that, that he and his team went over, you know, we can't necessarily do that. And we can't tell our guys to back off because then they start taking this, this differently and not tackling to the ground and getting people in inbound. So look, my, my point on it uh, is that uh, I think that uh, they've changed their defensive style this year. They really have. Uh, they are not bend, but don't break. They can revert to that at times. But I don't, I don't see that being who they are. They're definitely playing Manny Muhammad, Terrence Brooks, uh, or even Gavin Holmes closer to the line of scrimmage to, to, to keep that easy first down pass away from them. And we had a question about uh, throwing deep while we haven't seen more bombs. Um, yep, I was about to ask that next. I, I, here, I think, where I think this is a great question is I think Rod, Bobby, we've all talked about this at different times. I think Sark is throwing the ball down the field more. He's just doing it in a different way. All it took was worthy over the top, A.D. Mitchell against Bam, and then guys like, uh-oh, different team, different guys, different quarterback. You can't – I mean, they, we just can't give up those. Um, so I think the coverage is dictating a couple things for Sark. But what I love, what, what, what he's doing, those deep curls opposite hash – those are 40-yard throws by Quinn. They're just not vertical throws. So Sark is still stretching the field vertically without throwing the ball over the top of the defense. He's stretching a defense horizontally and vertically at the same time. He's using Quinn's arm talent to stretch that field without throwing, try, attempting to throw the ball over the top as much. I think it's actually very, very smart by Sark in the passing game. Those are higher percentage throws against the coverage that you're given, but it's also stretching the field vertically and helping your run game. The other piece of it, Blake and Jerry, that I would add to that is um, the safeties are playing over the top. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they take that away. You don't want to throw it if the safety's over the top. Yep. I mean, so those opposing safeties are, are doing that and taking that away. 
So Sark's found another way to get get the ball deep. Uh, and I would say this, if I'm the opposing team, and I know Texas has had problems in the red zone, I'm definitely making them throw it underneath me. Yeah. Right? I mean, that that's smart. So Texas is 11 of 25 or 11 of 24 this year on success rate of TDs in the red zone. They completed 30-yarder as opposed to a 50-yarder. I'm playing them in the red zone as opposed to giving up seven points. And I got a better than 50-50 shot of winning that. So I would do that every day. I'd take those numbers. Rob, no. Not not deficiency with his quarterback. That's strength with his quarterback. I mean, that's a strength with your quarterback, that you're able to make that many long intermediate throws with accuracy. It's a strength of your quarterback. He's not for what he's not Sark's not doing is forcing situations through play calling. That doesn't mean a deficiency with your quarterback. That Casey just, Thompson he, could never make that throw. Yeah, he's he's taking what the defense is giving him. And yeah. he's doing it with a guy that can make the throws. Yeah. I don't think people appreciate the depth and strength of, of Quinn's arm over 30 yards. I think they they misrepresent it and, and don't understand how how hard that is to make that throw because he makes it look effortless is what he really does. I mean, and we're talking about a team that's averaging 570 yards a game in the big 12. What more do you want? More scores in the red zone. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> That's fair. Definitely fair. All right, Jerry, Chris Young wants to know, are there any starters that grew up in Houston and will have something personal to prove in this weekend's game? Um, I'm trying to think about that. I mean, look, A.D. Mitchell's Ridge Point high before he moved to Tennessee his senior year, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of kids with a lot of family in the stand Saturday. That's that's for sure. I mean, um, you know. David uh, Benda. Yeah, David Benda. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm, the only one. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just thinking Huntsville's not really Houston, but it's an easy drive. I mean, yep. So Cuero and Hallettsville. Yeah. I mean, Houston, Houston's the nearest big city, probably. Yeah. Um, Kelvin Banks. Oh, yeah. Kelvin Banks would be the biggest. A lot of family will be there with Kelvin Banks. Um, uh, Hayden Connor, a lot of family will be there. Houston area guys. Um, But there's a lot of there's a lot of Dallas flavor on the Texas team. All right. We have a lot of. uh end of season scenario question. So let's get to some of those. Tyler Hastings says, if Georgia loses a game and we have an undefeated Oklahoma, Washington, Florida State, and Michigan, and if Texas wins the Big 12 championship, are they taking the one-loss SEC champ over the one-loss Big 12 champ? Uh, You can't have an undefeated OU and Texas winning the Big 12. Well, Well, he says if the regular season, it ends up that way. If Texas then beats OU and Georgia or Alabama with one loss wins the SEC, does the big does that one loss Texas get in? I would say this: if it's a one loss Texas versus a one loss Bama, Nick Saban's going to be really pissed, but Texas is going to get in because they beat Bama at Bama. They would get in in that scenario. Two time defending national champs Georgia, I'm not so sure on that one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. You got to get schedule. Maybe a little better than the Georgia schedule, but man, I don't know about that one. And Georgia has dominated. Georgia has dominated. Now, we haven't talked about this, guys. Injuries are becoming a factor in college football. Mm-hmm. Brock Bowers is out for four to six weeks, most likely. Um, they go to Tennessee. I mean, Georgia has an easy schedule, but it's not like they're playing FCS schools. They're playing Power 5 schools. And they're playing power five schools that are going to be gunning for them. And one of those trips is to Tennessee. Now that's November 18th. Does Brock Bowers try to come back for a game like that? I don't know. I mean, he had the same surge, I believe, to a Tong Vailoa and Jalen Waddle had at Alabama. So it's a question when he's going to get back. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see. I would not think Georgia would force him back too early. Uh, but that Tennessee game gets more interesting because Tennessee is good on defense at home. Really good, actually. Uh, we have time for just another question or two. This first one from Elaine Roker. What's the toughest game remaining on the schedule? At TCU. For me. At TCU. Um, and I'll, I'll always go road over home. That doesn't mean – I think Texas is going to be tested multiple times 
the rest of the schedule, which you want to be, honestly. Um, At TCU, I think Hoover's a great scheme fit for them. I think he throws the ball down the field better. Um, I I think he opens that offense up for TCU a little bit. Um, And and I think TCU is going to play at a higher level with him. No knock on Chandler Morris, but I think Hoover is a perfect fit for that offense. He's played in that offense since he was in ninth grade. Um, For those that don't know, he played at Rockwall Heath. His head coach in high school was the best friend and college roommate of Art Browse. They ran the exact same offense. Uh, So he has tons of familiarity with that offense, and he presents a different problem for teams versus Chandler Morris. Hoover can really throw it down the field. I can agree with Jerry uh, about TCU. I would also throw out Kansas State. They, they adding this uh, running quarterback that they've got creates a new a new situation than what Texas would normally look at when they consider uh, defending Kansas State. Uh, he's he's such a better runner than Will Howard uh, that I think that the Texas is going to be looking for somebody. They're they're going to have to 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 defend K State differently than perhaps they thought they would just two weeks ago. Uh, that that's how much of an anomaly he is, I think. So we'll see. K State and TCU, though, I think that's fair. All right, Bobby. Before we leave, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell everybody what they can expect on on Texas football today? Yeah, I'm going to visit with Brian Irwin, Coach Brian Irwin, a little bit later here today, and then we'll have lunch with the coach. Then tonight we have uh, the uh, uh, Longhorn live stream, obviously, uh, from seven to eight p.m. Rod Babers will be. Uh, available for that. I believe Aaron Hogan will be hosting as well. Uh, either Jerry or Justin will be there uh, as well. I uh, want to also mention that uh, you guys can get all your news and information that you could possibly want uh, inside at InsideTexas.com. Uh, promo code OTFIT23 right now. If you're not a subscriber, give us a chance. Uh, use promo code OTFIT23 right now. $1 for two months subscription. That's $1 for a two month subscription. Must select the monthly offer. Okay, everybody. Well, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. We want to thank Bird Dogs, Game Time, and Manscaped for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for the super chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a good one, Blake. Have a good one, Jerry.